everybody. Welcome to the Paleo in Dubai podcast. Today I am with two wonderful paw parents. Paw parents? Parents? How do you say that? Yeah. Parents. Okay. <laughs> we are with the parents, dog parents of Milka the Frenchie, and we're going to be covering something a little different. I usually cover a lot of paleo aspects in humans, but pets are babies, so this is a different episode. If you're not interested, please hold up because we do have some interesting interviews coming up, kind of like Dr. Graham's, with some paleo authors, paleo doctors, more wellness people. That was Milka, by the way. So just so you know, she's with us too. She's podcasting. So you're going to hear a lot of these sounds on and off. I actually got to meet you too through a very interesting way. I'm going to shamelessly plug out of it just for a sec here. I haven't actually spoken about my company much on the podcast, but we manufacture a line of natural disinfectants in the UAE. I'm in biotechnology manufacturing and we have gotten to work with some interesting people specifically with our veterinary one because when I say interesting people, I also mean interesting animals. So part of that was actually working with Larry and Charlie. Larry and Charlie are Milka's parents. How are you guys doing? We're great, thank Especially you. Especially after for, a flight. Yeah, thank you for uh, <laughs> inviting us onto your show. Thanks for inviting We're me very to your excited. home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys like have this lifestyle that I know your cabin crew, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. We have a New York connection, except you're actually from New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yes. a fake New Yorker. <laughs> and it's just so interesting to me when I meet New Yorkers here because I'm like, what? But like, that's interesting because I remember like mm-hmm. such a dog culture there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know much about dog culture in Germany. It's so. huge. It's, it's huge, huge, right? Like you, you can literally take your dog everywhere in the malls and the restaurants oh, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I know that part. So, yeah. 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 I mean, we're in Dubai. It's a bit different with dogs. Yeah. So the lifestyle is a bit different. But your feeding is also super different. So today we're going to focus more on species appropriate diet and what Larry and Charlie have been doing with Melka in terms of their story and their journey and just how that's kind of also changed their health and their life. And we're just going to talk about multiple industries that basically are affecting both the human and pet food industries. So you want to take it away and just kind of tell me more about Milka. Tell everyone about Milka, like, you know, how you got her and how she was and your own journey with raw feeding and how that even came up to you because not a lot of people are doing it. Yeah, so um, we got Milka uh, when we were living in Germany and um, basically when we, before we had her, we kind of were looking into different pet foods and uh, were kind of checking out what's the best food, what, what to feed her and yeah, of course we wanted to feed her like the best so she has like a good puppyhood so uh, yeah we actually had a um i had a friend who is in uh, veterinary college i spoke with her about uh, food a lot she actually said uh, something to me like whatever you do don't uh, feed raw that that's what that's she crazy. said and uh, i kind of knew that uh, that raw existed but because she said it i didn't really second guess it really because I thought veterinarians know what what they're talking about. What made her say that though? Was it a conversation? Were you talking about how canines were hunting kibble like outside? (laughs) We weren't talking about that at all because as first time pet parents, we kind of didn't know anything okay. <laughs> and I, I didn't grow up with with dogs and Larry didn't either so um, yeah for us it was just uh, like really new and um, yeah why veterinarians don't co- recommend raw is a, 
it's a very long t- yeah. topic. Maybe we we're gonna cover that. it maybe yeah. a bit later in the podcast. Yeah. But. So uh, so basically, the, she started off on a on a good kibble, I would say. And then um, when we moved to Dubai, we moved to Dubai when she was around seven months old or eight mm-hmm. months old. So you got her yeah. at what age? One month? Two months. Two, Two months, months, yeah, like mm-hmm. 12, no, actually three months, I think. Oh, she was, okay. yeah, something like that. Yeah, so when we moved to Dubai, we had to change her food because uh, they didn't have the same food here mm-hmm. as we fed in Germany. And then, um, yeah, also with the same food switch, there was like things, like health things coming up with her. Like she started having hot spots. She started having tummy issues. Like she was throwing up like maybe once a week or something. Mainly, mainly she had digestive issues. Yeah, But they were also showing on her skin yeah, and everything and energy. Skin. Probably yeah. her mood yeah. also. So yeah. when did the weight gain start? Because like that's something people aren't very yeah. aware of. That yeah. that's actually very that's a very dangerous uh-huh. um, sign in your pet yeah. when they're gaining weight because it's not just that they're gaining weight; it just tells you there's inflammation. Yeah. Also, actually, I don't really think that there was a time when she was gaining weight. It was we were also very unaware, like because okay. because nowadays it's you don't see lean pets; you see. 60% of the of the pets are overweight or just like we now. don't see lean yeah. humans naturally exactly. a lot of them have to like work so hard because exactly. our natural systems are not giving you that unless yeah. you're like in a jungle yeah. hunting your food yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so we didn't really realize that Milka was overweight and we didn't really realize actually until we put her on raw when she started looking very lean which was much later but yeah so so when we came over here we switched her food and um, yeah she just started having these digestive uh, digestive issues showing on the skin she had rashes and stuff like that so then we we basically like switched from one premium kibble to the other premium kibble because we were just like okay something's wrong but we don't really know what and then we still were thinking about like my friend who told us not to feed raw so we were like okay have, there have many to... vets told you that yeah, you, mm-hmm. like usually, especially here in Dubai, usually the if you tell people that you feed raw, if you tell vets, they usually don't they're, recommend they're it. They're highly against yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like part of that, because I also don't just think every vet is corrupt. Like we work yeah. with a lot of vets. Yeah. I also feel that they just worry that the person feeding the raw food is either not sourcing properly exactly. or not yeah. storing, pro- yeah. you know, they know that there's almost like so many negatives that can come out of that, that they just overrule it. Yeah. But they're also not looking at the fact that that is their original diet. Yeah. They are primarily yeah. carnivores yeah. Mm-hmm. and they're not, like I said, hun- they weren't hunting kibble before, yeah, exactly. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there, there's many reasons vets don't recommend it. One very major reason is because they don't get enough education about okay. it, like uh, nutritional education, because the vet schools, they, um, most regular veterinary schools, they focus on treatment rather than prevention. So that also goes into the nutrition part. Um, many, many vet schools are funded, um, or get funding from from cable companies so that all goes into the nutritional education that they get so yeah but you um, know what's funny just to interject we work with veterinary distributors and one of the hottest new product is actually weight loss supplements for pets and when i look at them they're exactly what humans are taking so mm. you know green coffee bean mm. lots of caffeine mm. um different things mm. uh acai, I don't know, mm. all these weird things like the, to put your pet on but I mean they're working because they do have a thermogenic effect yeah but it's not fixing the diet and it's funny that a vet is okay with that yeah it's you know yeah it's, because it's, it's from weird. a drug company and it's packaged yeah 
and it has like a stamp on and it that says like yeah. yeah exactly register and you can sell it. Yeah. yeah and you can sell it it's profitable exactly. so yeah it's crazy but but you are right like one other reason is also because um vets usually <laughs> when they see raw fed dog because a lot of a lot of raw fed dogs when you when you do it right they never have to go to the vet so when raw fed dogs do go to the vet, it's their they see that side. So, yeah, yeah. So so they see they see the raw fed dogs and yeah, where, where the parents just they educated themselves, but maybe not enough to to be um, able to provide the dog with everything, and and then the vets see a problem with that. So um, um, yeah. So then um, how we got into into raw feeding was when Milka. There was a time when Milka just basically threw up like three times, four times a week, and. Um, that's when we said, okay, no, there is definitely something wrong with the diet. And uh, we went to the vet. The vet said, no, it should not be anything wrong with the diet. Everything's fine. It's a good brand that you're feeding. And we were just like, no, something's wrong. So then we switched to raw and all problems were gone. Yeah. That's how simple it was. So just to tie that in, because I I mean, I've spoken, the people who do follow me actually know my story. And I've had doctors tell me my skin issues and my gut issues were not from food. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Mm. Because going on paleo solved all of them instead yeah. of buying all those drugs and being yeah. on so many things. So I th it's really like, it's sometimes I feel like there's a business in keeping people and animals sick, but yeah. there's also the people going into medicine are so indoctrinated. And mm -hmm. when we look at the history of it, they just, you know, homeopathy was um, homeopathy was separated from medicine, like at a certain point. Like there's so much yeah. that was very pharmaceutical driven. And it's almost that we have a system that's kind of broken. We have a very good interventional system, but we don't have a good lifestyle system for mm -hmm. both humans and yeah. now animals. The same problems happening with humans are now happening with animals when exactly. it comes to diabetes, obesity. Exactly. And the main thread is that we are being recommended a high grain diet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically like the common thread and we still have. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do want to talk about um, the body composition aspect even for her. When we look at animals in the wild, we see lean animals. It's true that they're running and hunting and doing mm -hmm. all these things. Mm -hmm. But and pets are obviously, you know, they're not in that kind of fight or flight response all day. It's a mm -hmm. different yeah. life. But in the same way as paleo lifestyle that we recommend on the podcast is, which is kind of recreating that aspect because modern life is just so opposite to what we, you know, physiologically are. For her also, like, or any pet, that follows too. So mimicking their, you know, ancestral lifestyle, which is what they've been mm -hmm. for, you know, as we were saying, dogs have only evolved from canines, larger yeah. canines, mm -hmm. 15,000 years ago, mm -hmm. ironically because of farmers, but mm -hmm. yeah, so... Yeah. And what we have today is basically still a canine. Yeah. So yeah. their diet didn't change. No. Yeah. No. I mean, they, they've been eating um, their natural, biologically appropriate diet for 99.9% .9 of the time. Yeah. So it's only within the last 100 years that they are, have been fed a kibble diet. Um, so A kibble-only diet, yeah, too. A, a, a yeah, a 100% processed diet. <laughs> Just like... Just like humans, uh, like we eat more processed diets, and most of the pets eat 100% processed yeah. diets. So, also the dog is um, their genetics are their DNA is only 0.2% different from the gray wolf, so their digestive system is identically the same. They they can eat pretty much the same foods that uh, the gray wolf can eat today. Yeah. So they're still identically the same. Dogs are actually evolved from wolves. Yeah, yeah exactly. Specifically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. yeah, so obviously, 
you know, their brain has changed. Yes. A lot has changed. <laughs> They're domesticated, but, yeah. you, you know, digestion and all of that, mm-hmm. like, that has mm-hmm. not suddenly evolved to a kibble no. process. Exactly. Yeah. So we can agree that scientifically, dogs physiologically also actually do not require carbs. Unlike, so it's interesting because right now in the paleo sphere, there is a huge carnivore movement now. Mm. I actually started off paleo plant based. Mm -hmm. I have healed myself more being more carnivore actually than so, which is interesting. And there's also like so much propaganda right now when it comes to, I'll just say it promoting a vegan diet from mm-hmm. the side of the grain and sugar industry as well because they're investing in so many vegan products and yeah. vegan brands yeah. and now that's mm-hmm. where their stuff is going mm-hmm. to soy mm-hmm. all of that stuff this is not pro cruelty i don't believe in like you know controlled animal feeding operation yeah. I, th- I think we have such better systems ruminants have been around for <laughs> millions of years yeah. and yeah. they the planet was fine yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's just this lack of biodiversity with focusing on cows yeah, um feeding them grain that's actually where the majority of yeah. the mm-hmm. exactly. environmental issue is yeah. <laughs> not the cows themselves and the yeah. people miss that of course mm-hmm. and even this week i don't know if you're reading all this posts going around of like i'll eat less meat yeah dude yeah. you're you that's like to me that's actually promoting a weaker human race mm-hmm. a poor like uh, in terms of what you get from meat, uh, if you look at a pound of meat and a pound of vegetables, you actually require so much more in grains and vegetables to get what you will get. Like, yeah. it's actually more efficient yeah. mm-hmm. to have people eat that. Or also there are movements like entomology now and mm-hmm. all of that eating bugs, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And in our culture, interestingly enough, Emiratis were eating crickets for like yeah. the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've started introducing, I'm not like eating yeah. actual crickets. I think that's, <laughs> I'm still like grossed out by <laughs> bugs. But just like, you know, having more sustainable, basically biodiversity and protein. Mm -hmm. Lamb, for example, is something that humans can eat actually more of here because it's more adaptable. We have not grown up eating cow. We've been eating camels, lamb, sheep, like all these different things. And um, I'm just bringing this back to the fact that the systems out there, they try to use false facts to make you know, the, what's right, wrong, just mm-hmm. because, you know, and it's a lot of it is under propaganda and a lot of falsehoods, which we do cover more in other episodes and we will cover in more episodes, but I just wanted to tie it in because it's now happening to dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And exactly. um, now you have people who genuinely believe that a full 100% processed food diet is what an animal should eat. Exactly. Which yeah. is mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, I believe the problem is that when you're a first-time pet parent, there's a lot of times there's not even the knowledge or kind of uh, like questioning if this is really what they're supposed to eat. Like that that questioning has kind of gone away because it's just so normal now to just buy kibble and feed that every single day. But you know what actually I believe is crazier? That's what they do to themselves too. They believe that eating something out of a box that is... (laughs) you know they don't even know what's in it yeah like because it's normal for them they can make it normal for dogs mm, mm. so or animals yeah. and there's also you know like we're in an arab culture so i'll just mention it like i feel that in general like in our culture maybe in the older generations there are people who are very in tune with their pets but a lot of time it wasn't because they were pets they were like hunting dogs yeah. they were hunting falcons mm-hmm. so they were like almost their companion also yeah. and it was very lonely to go and hunt sometimes mm-hmm. so arabs would be like so attached and bedouins would sleep with their like salukis in their beds and mm-hmm. you know for protection but yeah. also like companionship yeah. now it's like they're not as much of a utility so it's like 
like sheep. Like, oh, they're going to eat whatever. But actually, when it comes specifically to carnivores, that is not possible. The reason, like, a lot of herbivores are doing a little better with the processed plant waste is that they can break down cellulose. Yeah, exactly. They can actually do more with it. Um, It's just more stressful to carnivore pets. So cats and dogs are really, like the ones suffering right yeah. now, mm-hmm. not our goats. Cause you know, our grandmas would be like, oh, I feed my goats, whatever. And yeah. I'm like, it's not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really not the same. Yeah, like dogs and cats are very abusable in that sense. Like they'll take whatever you feed them and they'll be fine. They won't die right away, but it's, um, yeah. It's kind of like humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just to add also, since we were talking about just bioadaptability, a lot of kibble has high carb, high starches, yeah. even yeah. the grain-free ones, exactly. which we can talk about grain-free, is still starchy. Yeah. And even though that wouldn't be as much of a problem if you were human, which is an omnivore, mm. uh, the problem with pure, pure carnivorous animals is that they lack the enzyme, or at least lack it in the right space. Yeah. They're not breaking with amylase, like starches in their mouth. They're actually breaking it in their small intestine. So it's damaging to the stomach. It's more work by the time it gets there. So getting the nutrients and the bioavailability of them is very low. You're smiling. I'm smiling because you are very knowledgeable. (laughs) I know. It took 15 minutes for that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No, but like, I mean, I do a lot of species appropriate. Like, I'm just interested in weird things Uh and I love... Like, there's a reason I would come and sit with you and get yeah. out, like, Friday yeah. morning when I could totally sleep more. <laughs> I'm, like, so sleep-deprived. Yeah. It's not even funny. Yeah, but it's, like, that's just the reality of canines. Yeah. And that's what no. they're being put through. Yeah, dogs, well, actually, cats are true carnivores. So they cannot, like, in the wild, they would not eat anything plant matter. Like, the only carb they eat is whatever is left in the stomach of the of whatever prey they and eat. And it's already masticated yeah, and pre-digested, exactly, so it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. And and dogs they are scavenger. Yeah, they're scavenging carnivores. So so they they eat meat, but if meat is not available, they might eat some plant matter. So that's what's happening with the dogs. And so in the in the wild, dogs and wolves they would eat a diet very high in uh, moisture, high in ca- uh, high in protein and and uh, moderate fat and um, little to no carb, yeah, like two percent, five percent, like less, like three percent. Yeah, it would just be like in the same way humans would accidentally eat dirt constantly, yeah. mm-hmm. and it would be yeah. good. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so now what they're being fed is a diet that is completely opposite to to what they're designed to eat, yeah. and and it's really and and that's that's the reason you know we see pet cancer and pet obesity at epidemic levels right now because the inflammation what, levels yeah. are so mm-hmm. high. Yeah. We do want to like I. I know it sounds sad like if you, if you have a pet you're probably like you know hands on heart right now but it will get better we will offer solutions yeah, in a definitely, bit definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's not so bad and there there yeah. is many things you can do even if you don't want to go to a fully 100% raw diet like we will talk about that later what you can do in that case we yeah. can actually go into it now I think okay so let's go into something positive and also I love that when I came you were like oh by the way when uh, Milka started eating better we started eating better yeah, which yeah. is interesting because environment is usually what actually like who you surround yourself with including your pet mm-hmm. yeah uh, you're all gonna affect each other yeah. there's a stimulating effect. you yeah. stimulate each other differently mm-hmm. um you're probably walking more too i feel like yeah yeah because i yeah. had a foster dog in new york and i would like wake <laughs> up and walk her yeah, yeah. Definitely. so what so tell me before we go into actual information how as humans have you changed health-wise wellness-wise because of having a dog so we put Milka on a pre-made raw here in the UAE. 
And this product it contains organic vegetables, uh, grain-free meats. So after a while, we said, "Well, milk is eating really good. Maybe we should uh, do the same." And uh, our dog's eating better than us. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it's really true. She really was eating uh, better than us. So then we said, "Okay, maybe we should start uh, buying organic vegetables for ourselves." But not only that, we started. Educating ourselves about exactly the foods that are in the supermarket, so the difference between uh, grass-fed and yeah, grain-fed, grass-fed and grain-fed meats, and organic meats and free-range meats. Uh, cage-free. Cage-free. I mean, really, because I mean, it all contains different types of vitamins or higher vitamin content and minerals. So after we did that, what did we do? We just basically started to to eat better quality of meat. Like we understood that the conventional meat that you get is, that's mass produced is not going to give you the same nutrient value, and it's not going to be as healthy as eating grass fed. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what happened. We we started eating much less processed food, and yeah. How have you been feeling since? I mean, we we were never really unhealthy, so I think maybe the change wasn't. Like crazy, crazy, yeah. but yeah. I mean, like it does just mm-hmm. make you feel better. You exactly. also forget how good you feel until the yeah. like yeah, true. Tra- travel true. and eat. so. Mm-hmm. I'm actually curious. How do you like lead a healthy life on a plane? Because like I want digestive <sighs> enzymes. That I want <laughs> charcoal. I'm like it's a plain great, foods. The word like I try not to eat, but yeah. it's like sometimes when you go into the states, it's like, a such great a question because I would say it's still kind of new to me. Like even oh. every every month, I'm learning something new, and then I say, "Hey, I, you know, just a few months ago, I said, man, I should I probably shouldn't be eating this stuff on the aircraft, like the, the aircraft food, preservatives, uh, yeah, all the so. preservatives." So I just recently, I, I Charlie and I, we've been prepping meals for me to take on board, so I can avoid eating. Thing is, when you're eating on the aircraft, or even when you're eating in a lot of restaurants here, anywhere in the world, you don't exactly know where the meat is being sourced from or where the vegetables are being sourced from. So after a while, I said, you know what? I don't know where this is from. And if I don't know where it's from, I can't exactly trust it. Not that I, not that there's anything that may be wrong with it, but I don't know there's that there's anything. There's a lot wrong with it, though. <laughs> yeah, this is, I don't know that there's anything not wrong with it. So I just avoid it, and I'd rather eat something that I know exactly like where it's coming it. from. Yeah, I, I know I, I know what went into it. So, yeah, we've been prepping my meals to take on board, and so far it's working. I feel great about it. Don't Sometimes, you feel like the jet lag is less, too? What do you, like... Like, I, okay, because it's for me, like, I'd rather have the flu than jet lag. Like, that's how mm, much I hate it. Mm. Especially, like, post-US jet lag when you're back here. Because it's, like, against the yeah. rota- magnetic rotation. For some reason, I never had an issue with jet lag. Not too much. So far, I've never really, thankfully, been affected by <clears throat> jet lag. When I get into Dubai, I can sleep in the morning for just a few hours, and then I can stay awake until 10 p.m., and then I fall right back into the rhythm. Is it because you don't, you guys don't stay there so long? Probably. Yeah, because I feel like yeah. that's probably what, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's that, that makes more why. sense, because, yeah, I had flights where it was just like a day or two, mm-hmm. and yeah. it usually does take that mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, I mentioned it because it's still part of wellness, and it's still yeah. something I'm trying to... Like, I do travel for fun, but also for work, and I'm still mm-hmm. trying. Like, I feel jet lag just driving to Abu Dhabi, so I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Back to animals. Yeah. So let's start talking about just positive uh, information that can help people have their pets eat better. So we got some questions, you got some questions, but can you give us, like, 
an example of what Milka eats in general, and then like a sample of a day in her diet mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Milka eats a, a variety of different proteins. So she'll have chicken, beef, lamb. Uh, we feed her. We feed her camel meat, which is yeah. a great thing we can get out here. Fish. Uh, fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What else? any other protein? Duck. Duck. So right now we feed her those these different type of proteins. It's always great to mix in a variety of different proteins. So she's getting something different. She's not uh, solely relying on just chicken, uh, which can be also a problem. Like they shouldn't only be eating one protein. Yeah. Uh, they should actually eat at least four proteins. If per they week. do eat one protein, they should also not be just eating muscle meat. So I just yeah. want to throw that yeah, out yeah. there. It should be a variety. Mm-hmm. So even if like because there are animals that are living off of literally one mm-hmm. single species around them yeah. as a main animal, but they're mm-hmm. eating the whole animal. So yeah. that's how actually yeah. that can counter. So if mm-hmm. you're someone who's just feeding chicken, you may want to like mix in at least organ meats from other animals yeah. or not so yeah. actually that yeah. that goes for even if you feed a variety um dogs need to have bone in their food dogs need to have organs in their food and vegetables because if you're missing out of one of those parts the d- the diet will not be able so what to kind be. of vegetables though like uh, is it specific because i know it is i mean it's if yeah, it kind of is because we create our recipes uh, with the uh, yeah with the software. Program. So so we see which which vegetables have a high nutrient content and which vegetables don't. So we try to only use the vegetables that have a high content. Like, do you avoid fibrous vegetables or do you just cook them more? No, uh, we we don't we don't really use them. No, like uh, w- like we'll, we would use like broccoli or chard or kale. Kale. So cruciferous, yeah. mostly. Yeah, so like red peppers, like also some fruits. Spinach. Yeah, spinach, things like that. They, they have a lot of um, vitamins. So content. when it comes to mixing those meals, you said you mentioned a software. Has that been a lot of help in figuring out like ratios and things like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we, we did a um, pet nutrition certification program and we learned everything about how dogs have nutritional requirements and um, they need to be met. And it's not enough. Like there's a lot of people that feed a raw diet and they do a 80 10 10 it's called so it's 80 percent muscle meat 10 percent bone and 10 percent organs a lot of them don't include vegetables or they might include some vegetables but we learned that just using these ratio diets that's what it's called is is actually not enough because most of the times the, the minimum requirements are not met and in some of the vitamins like for example vitamin e vitamin k yeah. manganese things so like just that, like humans the whole phrase just like it's all in the macros is not true because mm. there are exactly. micro, micronutrients mm. yeah, exactly. that are involved in health exactly. and wellness. Exactly. So interesting yeah. because I see a lot of bodybuilders and a lot of people who quote unquote are in health, but they're not in health to me. You're in like a sport, maybe yeah. you're not even in fitness. Yeah. Or maybe you are in fitness, but like not in wellness mm. because your macros may be giving you the physical results you want, but you're probably inflamed. Yeah. Mm. You probably don't, are not getting enough nutrients and then you're making it up with all this like stimulants like yeah. Red Bull and all that just like feel like you're okay yeah, yeah. anyway and even um that's the cutest sound <laughs> can i just say that's milka like lapping up her water yeah, yeah. anyway what was i Mixtures. gonna say so can you tell us more about the mac- micronutrients so what is milka gonna eat today and you guys they have beautiful meals like on their account mm-hmm. and we're gonna shout out their account it's called uh milka the frenchie milka underscore the frenchie on instagram or anything else too just on instagram just yeah. on instagram yeah. Okay. Yeah, we actually just started a nutrition program 
in partnership with Spot, the daycare. Mm-hmm. Also from New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So much New York. Like, it's following me back here. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's an awesome daycare. Really, they have the right values and they're just awesome. And they use Anavet, so we like them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And they really want to promote uh, pet wellness. So um, we've teamed up to basically like give the pets uh, or the pet parents of Dubai the access to nutritional information. So I will be making personalized meal plans for dogs. I'll be like, you'll be able to send in your do-it-yourself recipes and I will put them into my system and check if they're balanced or not. And I'll let you know how to balance them and what to add. That When are you going to offer that? It's already, uh, oh, like, it's already offered. Yeah, we just announced this week. So it's actually just started. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah. That's really great. I actually yeah. don't know anyone else doing that. No, no, there's nobody else doing this in Dubai. Yeah. So can you just go back to giving us like, what are you going to feed her today? Yeah. For example. So. Um, or what she had today already? Yeah, she, she had uh, breakfast <laughs> this morning. And basically it's like a mix of chicken neck and um, beef, uh, muscle meat, some beef organs like liver, kidney, heart. Yeah, then some uh, some vegetables. Um, What vegetables? Like, like the ones we mentioned, um, for example, red peppers and chard and spinach, yeah. things like that. And uh, yeah, and fish. So basically what we do is we, we don't like cut up beef heart every morning or every evening. We yeah. prep for a few weeks in advance and we put it all in a grinder. We package it. That way it's uh, a lot more convenient for us. We freeze it and then every day we'll defrost one pack or we'll defrost it for the next two days. That way she can, uh, we just scoop it up and then put it in her food bowl. And yeah, we do it that way. And I know a lot of people think about cost and things like that. But first of all, if you have a healthy dog, you're not paying vet bills. Yes. Just FYI. Exactly. Yes, yes, so, yes. I just want to mention that. Yeah. Ever since Milka has been on Raw, we have had no vet visits. But yeah. what is the estimate for food costs, just so people have an idea? Because that's an upfront cost, too. Yeah. What's your like um, estimate? Because I'm sure you're smart about it now. Yeah. So you're yeah. good with that. Yeah. So for... And where do you shop? <laughs> yeah. So Milka weighs 11 kilos. She's eating 400 grams. She's, yeah, she's eating 400 grams of food per day. And I want to estimate right now she's around 400 dirhams a month, maybe a little bit less. That's yeah, not less. expensive yeah. at all. Yeah. Like yeah. people are paying more for grooming, yeah. like weird ass grooming yeah. and yeah. things like that. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing is, before even we started raw feeding, what we were paying was maybe $60 for like three months. $60. So, so. <laughs> So it's a, yeah. so, it's a so so maybe like 250 dirhams for and how long for with the food? Yeah, but for, you were for three also months, buying yeah. in bulk on Amazon, so a lot of people yeah. are not doing that. Yeah, and actually, this is something that we've learned during our transition to raw. That's actually something you should not be doing. You should not be buying big bags of kibble, using them over a couple of months. Because of the like, molds. Yeah, exactly. because, yeah. because the every time you open a bag of kibble, the, the fats oxidize and you're feeding rancid fat. So, mm-hmm. um, That's actually the same for olive oil and a lot mm-hmm. of things. And yeah. I want to, mm-hmm. people like buy these big buckets of coconut yeah. oil and yeah. you have mold at the end. Exactly. Like if you're, if it's not a glass um, yeah. that you can actually see it. Mm-hmm. And you can taste the difference a little bit if you're mm-hmm. like very used to very cold pressed, high quality fats. Yeah. A lot of people are just dumping that anyway, yeah. cooking and be like, oh, it's going to cook anyway. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah. 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 So, so back to the question, we were going to the vet every few months when she was on dry food 
and the bills they add up they get expensive do we have pet insurance here in the area no no, no. absolutely no. none interesting there's there's no pet insurance here so you're paying out of pocket you know and and you know when every time you go to the vet they want to do this test they want to run that yeah. test and it gets expensive medication and, and, and they persuade you or they make you they make you feel a type of way if you don't do it mm-hmm. you know so like it's your fault now. yeah you know yeah. and it's like it, it's not a good feeling yeah, at yeah. all as a pet parent so after a while we were friends who were saying look you just put her on raw the, all the issues you're having are nutritional issues which can be avoided so we said okay you know what let's pay a little more maybe it might save us some money and so far Milka only has to go to to the vet for annual checkups. That's it. Like yeah. we're not taking her to the vet for any other issues. So we, I, I believe personally, we're saving. If we were going to the vet as much as we were when she was on dry food, I think right now she we're saving a lot more money since uh, she's on raw. So we pay more in food, but we're going less to the vet. I also believe like when you choose to have a pet, that's a responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And you're already like, you understand that that comes with gains and quote unquote losses. So mm-hmm. you have to be up for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just very important that you learn to make the right nutritional choices for your pet based on what you know and what you've educated mm-hmm. yourself. If, if that means you're, you watch for example, Pet Fooled on Netflix or you go to Facebook groups or mm-hmm. you speak to a pet nutritionist or you um, like there's so many things you can do to like read books about pet nutrition and all that stuff. But it's just a, it's it's important to know what you're feeding and and what effect that has on mm-hmm. the pets. Also, the, the ingredients that are being used in raw food and dry food are completely different from each other for the most part. In dry food, there's a lot of uh, byproduct meals and uh, what else? 4D meat, 3D uh, yeah. meat. Yeah, 4D meats, which are dead, dying, uh, disabled, and uh, diseased. So these meats are actually allowed to be used uh, within the pet food industry. Our pets are actually eating it. So they're they're extremely low quality uh, meats that get produced into powder and added to the food. And the same with vegetables, like the mm-hmm. most of the vegetables that are used in pet food are the uh, human waste from the human uh, industry waste. So all the stuff that the humans produce, corn oil, and then the whole goes into pet food that have no nutrition left in them. Mm-hmm. So It's actually similar in humans as well, because a lot of those industries, especially soy and a lot of yeah, corn oil, a lot of actually polyunsaturated mm. fatty acid type of oils are actually all within that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come from industries where they kind of, it's just marketing. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, soy milk is suddenly a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's, soy is necessary in mass agriculture, especially when you're changing the crops and it's a good crop to have. And, you know, it goes to prison food and like mm-hmm. all weird kinds. It's mm-hmm. like a cheap way to feed people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it comes with a lot of other negatives. Yeah. Also for the soil, because we are actually, mass agriculture Definitely. is worse yeah. to the environment than, you know, meat farming as is even. Yeah. Because we're killing the soil. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, all basically all uh, all big civilizations that had agriculture, mm-hmm. and I think this is an interesting fact to bring up, especially in Dubai, because we have all these big cities like Babylon and like all these cities that were agricultural and. What did they end for? They didn't end because of anything other than the fact that their soil got depleted. Yeah. 
and because of the forms of agriculture used. The only reason we don't have this problem now and why a city like Dubai will not be Babylon's story, mm -hmm. obviously because of um, importation connections and all that, but because we are manufacturing nitric oxide from fossil fuels mm -hmm. to uh, put back into the soil yeah. mm -hmm. and have this kind of false effect. But we're actually depleting the soil on the planet. That is, that is actually, if someone really wants to take an environmental cause that is one of the least studied uh, directions and mm. least reported on directions but we are depleting our planet's soil yeah. basically mm -hmm. we yeah. need to look at sustainable agriculture as well it's also not vegan you kill a lot of animals to keep them off of that face <laughs> wow. yeah. of agriculture you're killing yeah. ma massive amounts of squirrel massive amounts of bees you're killing a lot mm -hmm. actually with yeah. what you're using you're also a lot of times taking habitats and that's actually how endangered species occur. They don't occur because of poaching, which people think that's yeah. the main reason. It's not the number one reason. Mass agriculture is yeah. Yeah. the main reason. Um, and there are different ways to do things. So a lot of people, for example, would blame Brazil right now with their issues. We're like, oh, all the meat farming and yeah. whatever. If Brazil, and I'm not like saying the US does everything right, but it's just that I know their systems more and I've studied them more. Mm -hmm. If they followed a USDA model, they would like if they have 500 billion in emissions, they would only have 100 million in emissions mm -hmm. just by switching to the USDA model, mm -hmm. which is insane. Mm -hmm. It's really just like, and that's not even the best model. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, if yeah. they just go from worst to worst yeah. instead, yeah. that's already doing a lot for the environment. I'm just saying this because it does affect the falsehoods coming out on what we should eat and what food industries should be and mm -hmm. all of that stuff and tying them back to the planet and... Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny week to talk about a carnivore dog or mm. even carnivore side of humans because all I'm seeing actually on news feeds right now is all these scientists coming out with all that stuff. It was kind of like a few years back when they mentioned uh, meat was a carcinogen, yeah. mm. and um, people don't know how to read studies. Mm -hmm. If you actually read that study, it's not what the result came out of. Yeah. And I'll just mention it since we are talking about carnivorous side here. It was an observational study. So this was like a list given to people mm -hmm. that they checked certain mm -hmm. things in, what they were doing. This was not a monitored study. Mm -hmm. So um, and defining a meat eater is interesting because when they pick meat eaters, they're not necessarily picking meat eaters that are eating in a paleo way. There's actually yeah. not enough studies yeah. outside of yeah. tribal cultures yeah. in the modern world of a person applying a paleo lifestyle. But we have the cultural and yeah. tribal side, which is excellent research. They were looking at people who people who normally eat meat in the form of junk food because it's cheaper. But these people traditionally also don't work out. They yeah. mm -hmm. also smoke. Yeah. They mm -hmm. also, you know, so they looked yeah. at all these other things. But they decided the one thing in common was meat. So it was <laughs> yeah. coming in together mm -hmm. and it was like avoiding all of that. It was yeah. observational. And actually the difference was they were not picking all healthy people anyway. The likelihood was only 18% more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually for you to have a study be published, it should be up to like... 200 yeah. percent so like that is not even yeah. uh that's something actually uh chris Kresser mentioned recently he actually like talked about that specific mm -hmm. study in more detail uh this is just me kind of recapping it maybe in not the best way because he really went into super yeah. details on joe rogan so that's something you know if you really want to know where this information comes from don't just take it from facebook yeah. because your aunt posted <laughs> it like go and look at yeah. like where it came from it's the same thing in, in the pet industry, like the people or the companies that do uh, studies, you know, it's it's the kibble companies because uh, raw in the raw food industry, there's not that type of money to do studies. And that's why there's a lot of studies that uh, show 
that raw food is bad and dangerous. And but why why are these studies showing it? Because the companies that that um, that make these studies they have no interest in promoting raw, and they'll pick the dogs that they prove for. Yeah, it's actually yeah. what we would call junk data because what you're doing is you're selecting the data you yeah. want yeah. to make a statement and make it official. It's kind of yeah. like working backwards. It's like this is the conclusion I want. What can I use <laughs> exactly. to enter it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. frame. It's be- yeah. it's it's so corrupt, and yeah. it's actually something that. Um, it's interesting because I'm in the biotech sphere and what mm-hmm. we do is very specific in terms of also including third parties to mm-hmm. uh, conduct the same study in their way. Yeah. And you technically have to do that if you're ethical. We're not big yeah. enough to not yeah. be ethical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we would be monitored very easily. But you have all these companies that they're making so much money. And it's interesting that agriculture in the US, for example, it's subsidized. So mm-hmm. technically that soy farmer is not actually making actual profit, yeah. but the government yeah. is paying him. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, it's almost like that's, it's like a crime happening yes. and it's like a legal situation. Yeah. I, I'm sure you're more aware of oh, it. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So <laughs> it's, you know, is that going to be what, you know, that's kind of actually the, it's the same industry that feeds mm-hmm. into the kibble industry and it's mm-hmm. all related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So let me, like, in this last stretch, is there anything yeah. you guys want to go into? I, I think we should just really, once again, highlight that we are feeding nowadays a very non-species appropriate diet that is filled with carbohydrates and carbohydrates, like most of your listeners probably know, turn into sugar and... Monosaccharides um, in the body. Yeah, and... And the very uh, horrifying thing is as well that kibble is filled with 30 to over 50% of carbohydrates. So essentially sugar. I just want to interject. Even if you wanted to find out the carbohydrate content within a, a bag of dry food kibble, it's not even listed there. They these companies they follow the AFCO um, requirements, which are, which they're pretty much the pet food regulators. And this regulation, these officials, they basically say, okay, you don't have to tell people what is the carbohydrate content. So all you all you need to tell them is the proteins, the fat, fats, moisture, moisture ash. and ash. Yeah. So, so you can leave out carbohydrates. So they know there's something wrong, right? So Car- yeah, if, yeah, if you want to find out how much carbohydrates your kibble has, then you just subtract from 100 the protein content, the uh, fat content. Calorie-wise, right? No, no uh, on, the, uh, on the back of the kibble, it, there's a ga- uh, guaranteed Percentage. analysis. Percentage. Okay, got yeah. it. So on the guarantee analysis, you subtract the protein, the fat, the moisture, and the ash, and you'll you'll get the um, carbohydrate content. So which is extremely yeah. high. So and most pet parents, you know, like as an individual, will not know this. You know, I didn't know this. Uh, most people will not know how to figure out what what is the carbohydrates. They don't even know if that is going to even be on the bag of food. So we just want people to be aware about carbohydrates. How it's it, it does it can lead to one in two pets or one in two dogs having cancer today developing cancer sometime in their lifetime which is extremely high it's extremely high so we want to change something about that yeah yeah and uh, i guess maybe we should talk about solutions (laughs) we should we already talked about dietary solutions but what other problems and their solutions do you want to bring up for everybody that or for anybody that thinks that they are not able to provide a fully raw diet it's very important to understand that whatever fresh food you can provide your dog with it's 
good. Yeah. Whatever, even if you can only provide one raw day a week or even only one raw meal a week or you just every time you feed kibble, you put a little piece of chicken uh, breast or, or some vegetables even, it, it just it really helps and, yeah, and it makes a big difference in your dog's life. Yeah. So starting small is better yeah. than not starting at exactly. all. Exactly. Because, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just just as humans, I mean, as much fresh fresh as we can afford to eat, we should eat, right? So yeah. as much fresh food as we can afford to feed, we should feed. And also, when you're not spending money on processed foods, I spend a lot less on money. People don't realize, like, I don't spend that mm -hmm. much, and I'm yeah. eating like ribeye and shrimp mm -hmm. and all that. But I'm like. I'm not buying soda. I'm not yeah. buying yeah. candy. I'm yeah. not buying like popcorn at the movies and like exactly. all that stuff. And when yeah. you do, it's just really like a different budget. I'm yeah. spending less now. Like I did start my paleo reboot like a month and a half ago. I'm spending less on money now. And I'm eating like yeah. organic grass fed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Less on money. Sorry. Less on food now. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm just like abstaining from so much yeah. Mm. but yeah it's so it's interesting because like when you have someone smoking like a pack of cigarettes being like yeah. that's so expensive i'm yeah. like look at what's in your hand exactly yeah. your cancer stick's expensive yeah and hopefully you don't get it because <laughs> yeah. that's going to be more expensive <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. this is very terrible yeah. actually the product that that you have anovan it, it really helps us as well because one big problem in our pet's life why one in two dogs have cancer is the diet but it's also the toxins in in our pet's environment so yeah same as human yeah. systemic toxicity from chemicals affects animals yeah. and exactly. interestingly enough because the chemicals we can sometimes be okay with a lot of animals cannot like yeah. for example some birds they just cannot handle ammonia yeah humans can handle it a bit better but the same goes with animals so that's actually why anavet is we actually entered veterinary because and this is also related to raw feeding the standards are so low for yeah. what you can enter yeah so if i wanted to enter a product even though i know my product is safe on humans but having it under a medical pharmaceutical antiseptic for humans mm -hmm. even though it's excellent for that and it is under va like in germany vh yeah. and all that yeah. i have to have a medical grade factory that's very expensive for us and i also have to have it under the ministry of health which will take like six plus months mm -hmm. so right now we're in veterinary we are in hospitals but we're not in antiseptics yet mm -hmm. so yeah. we're level under level one surfaces tools mm -hmm. things like that we're not adding it on humans yet okay i put it on myself as a human yeah. and <laughs> wounds like if i like get a rash or something if i'm traveling i disinfect things with it yeah. um, i use it on myself just fine but i know that the way we are looking at animals is so like low standard in terms mm -hmm. of what they can be exposed to mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah. yeah so we're removing systemic toxicity yeah. from a lot of if you're using a disinfectant yeah 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 i mean because especially when you handle raw meat raw meat uh, a lot of people are scared of it because like oh i cannot feed my dog raw meat uh, with because of all the bacteria and stuff actually for your dog it's not a problem at all your dog is designed to eat meat that has bacteria in it good and bad bacteria yeah. so your your dog's stomach is acidic and it will destroy the bad bacteria so your dog has no problem with it but of course we want to eliminate the bacteria in our kitchen so when we use we use a lot of antibacterial stuff but there's just no not really any back antibacterial stuff that's um that's natural so yeah, yeah ingestible basically for yeah. thanks for mentioning that mm -hmm. yeah, thank you personally for 
Mechabitech. The other thing is just to add to that because the raw meat you're buying is still processed. Technically, it went through a facility, it yeah. went through mm-hmm. people. So yeah. it's a bit different than like if I was to slaughter an animal, if I remove the skin, mm-hmm. it's actually, there's no bacteria if I remove the skin, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's a different kind of, mm-hmm. there's no accumulation. Yeah. It's actually sterile. Mm-hmm. Meat is sterile naturally mm-hmm. upon slaughter. Mm-hmm. But bacteria accumulates after very fast because mm-hmm. it's a high moisture environment. Mm-hmm. So I just have to, yeah. from the disinfections here, mention yeah. why it is important with processed meats yeah. that you're buying. Yeah. Why disinfection is important there. Because it's not a fresh kill. Mm-hmm. And it's high moisture. Yeah. So that's really why. The accumulation just would be different. Yeah. But if, as you said, truly, they're better designed than us to eat yeah. that. No, definitely. So it's yeah. not the same. Yeah. People I should mean, not be scared. Their digestive tract, I mean, their, their stomach is acidic. Their digestive tract is very short. So there's really no time for bacteria to accumulate. Yeah. And also, like, just because I did mention that I believe, and I think anthropologically that's fact, that humans are primarily more carnivorous than herbivorous, we also evolved with tools and fire, so we're mm-hmm. different in that mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. We've been cooking our meats. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of uh, vegans would be like, oh, but like, and I respect, like, I respect anyone's life choices, but I just, for me, like, don't make it about human health when it factually is not. That's, mm-hmm. like, very ignorant mm-hmm. and very responsible. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like, when you tell people, like, that's how you save the world. Yeah. Like, of course we want to save the yeah, world, exactly. you know? Yeah. But don't give them this falsehood that, like, eating something, uh, eating a bad diet for them would equal to that because, actually, their food choices are worse now also mm-hmm. for the environment. But a lot of time they'd be like, oh, but you, would you ever, like, go and kill with your bare hands or whatever? I'm like, well, I would hunt and do that <laughs> if I had to. And yeah. food is very abundant now, so people yeah. are softer, their instincts yeah. are softer. But if we had nothing, yeah. people would be, yeah. you, would, you would do it. Uh, and that's actually, where did they get their calories yeah. Yeah. from grass? Like yeah. plants were not edible yeah. back then. It was yeah. like, that's primarily what it is. And they're not biting into a coconut. They're using a tool. Mm-hmm. So it's really, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. just such a false and just comparing us to like, oh, look at the gorilla that can like, you know, he's getting all this protein from plants. He has enzymes you don't exactly. have. Yeah. Like it's just this whole species appropriate mm-hmm. diet is just, you know, like there's so much if people understood that, we would not have to explain yeah. so much yeah. mm-hmm. and we would be making better decisions yeah. and we wouldn't be saying stupid things yeah. like, look at that gorilla. Mm-hmm. So to me, when I see these things, it's like vegans become like memes to me when I see most of that. And uh, anyway, so yeah. just like educate yourself or you look yeah. stupid. Yeah, for the dog, how can you tell that a dog is carnivorous? Uh, you can look at their mouth, first of all. They don't have flat molars. They or... only have sharp teeth to rip flesh and their jaws only mo- move up and down so they don't move horizontally and then when you go down to their digestive tract their digestive tract is acidic they uh, have enzymes in their digestive tract to process protein and fat they don't have enough enzymes to produce uh, to process um, plant matter and um, their their digestive tract is just very short, so um, which is also another... Especially because it's, yeah, because they're not handling a lot of those fibrous content exactly. foods. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to sit and ferment. It just has to be pushed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, believe it or not, for humans also, if you were eating, if your digestive system was not blocked up or had any prior issues, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, where's your fiber with meat? Meat mm-hmm. actually completely is digested, like a hundred, like yeah. all of it is digested, yeah. just fluid is left. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people who do go carnivorous and a lot of MDs I follow now, interestingly, like medical practitioners who are working with the carnivore diet just as a healing modality and some of them as a lifestyle as well, they don't. Like, I feel like what vegans have on us is, like, they poop more, basically. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get it, you poop more, yeah. but we don't have to poop that much, yeah. Yeah. you know? What? 
We can talk about poop. It's, it's, no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's our favorite topic for raw feeders. <laughs> we can talk about poop. Do you want to finish this with poop? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, uh, raw feeders, like, it's uh, You're checking it's, it's the amazing. dogs. Yeah, Don't get I mean, shy about that, it. No, no, I'm having not. A pet, like, but, looking at the dog's poops, actually, how you know how healthy they are. So Yeah, exactly. It's I totally mean, cool. you, you, you have to monitor their poop to see if you're using too much bone, if you're using too much organs. So it's like uh, a, a kibble-fed dog poops five times a day. Milka, and Milka it smells poop, horrible, Yeah, and by it the smells way. horrible. It's big. And Milka, really, she used to poop five times a day. And now she poops two times a day. It doesn't smell. It's uh, uh, <laughs> she's actually, less bloated raw, probably, yeah. too. Yeah. Raw-fed dogs actually excrete up to only 30% of their males, while a kibble-fed dog will excrete up to 70%. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge difference. So yeah. it's, and well, remember, and yeah, it's it, waste. Yeah. That you're waste. pooping, yeah. so and she's exactly. not pooping as much waste. Yeah, she's and utilizing her she's food. Using and the food, and yeah. when even when she like she she'll fart, it doesn't smell like when she yeah. she farted when she was. Oh god, on we a, have a smell. Like I'm like, gonna start pushing really? my cousin to. Feed. We had like this because she saved some cats, and we had one Daisy uh-huh. called Daisy. She actually got adopted in Austria, and we shipped her over. Oh, wow. but her farts were like nuclear bombs. I, I mean, yeah. it's from the like, food. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it was like of- she was rescued, so she probably mm-hmm. had a disaster zone inside of her. Yeah, I hope she. She's, you know, yeah. I was like, she's going to fart on them. They're going to send her back. <laughs> <laughs> she was so yeah. gross. Yeah, Mika used to yeah. be the same. She used to clear out rooms with yeah, her farts, like, and she used be to so fart a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Shape Magazine, actually. Yeah. Shape Magazine made an article about bloat and how it's normal and we have to start accepting it. And mm-hmm. for me, that pisses me off, especially with the whole, like, obesity acceptance movement and all that stuff. So I'm like, it's not normal. No, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. It's not okay to be bloated and gassy all the yeah. time that's disgusting like exactly change, you know you're yeah. not going to start accepting people for that yeah and uh like two days ago it was pet obesity awareness day so we made a really interesting post about that and our like we got a lot of feedback from people that just that have lean dogs and we get this with milka all the time people tell us like wow your dog is so skinny she's too skinny you know but actually she's just perfect your and, dog's fat uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's That's just perfect and <laughs> And yeah, and uh, so really, good. like people are not used to seeing normal, uh, like ideal dogs anymore. So I think even in humans, because talking to you about a personal story here, I actually like in the past years have gained a lot of weight. And people mm-hmm. used to be like, "Oh my god!" I mean, you don't see much because I'm yeah, covered, yeah. but it's like I'm in. I believe the normal weight range is not is just like the average. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think people should like we should be even leaner than that yeah. naturally, you know. But when I, I like, you know, wanting, they're like, oh, it's, you know, better. You look healthier and like whatever. And I'm like, no, I don't believe that we should be like this yeah. marshmallowy. Like, mm-hmm. no, we need, we should like look at animals and look at tribal people. Look at even like mm-hmm. uh, with Dr. Graham last time we were talking about like, look at how divers were as well. Like here mm-hmm. in the way you're pr- mm-hmm. primarily like everyone had like abs and whatever. That's like mm-hmm. your muscles should be yeah. lean. Fat cells hold on to toxins as well. So when yeah. I see someone with especially like certain, like men shouldn't hold fat in certain areas, but when they do, they would be like I'm not looking at you by the way you're like goals like (laughs) but like estrogen dominance for example is a big thing here because we're exposed to plastics and men tend to be soft even when they tend to have muscle and a lot of that stuff so 
Yeah, I'm just saying like toxicity as well as food and just yeah. humans and animals were all the same. I'm kind of glad this episode took on the human and mm-hmm. animal comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So Definitely. even if you don't have a pet, I think it's it was an interesting, for mm-hmm. me it was interesting. I don't yeah. directly care for any pets, but we have a lot of animals in my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to have a dog growing mm-hmm. up, but like my family would have dogs, so I would yeah. like yeah. be able to mm. see all of that. Yeah. What would you like to end this on? We'd like people to leave with you. You can even if you don't want to do a hundred percent raw or or feed the hundred percent species appropriate diet, just add some fresh fruits. It, it will offset the the carbohydrate balance or the sugar content within the food. If you have any questions, uh, we can help you understand pet food labeling, what what to understand with the wording, and there's so many rules that you should know about on pet foods. All on our account, we sh- what we know, we share. So we, we're like 100% transparent. The pet parents should know what's happening in the pet food industry. So that's pretty much what we preach about. Like, if we know it, you should know it too. Yeah, so the the account name, again, is Milka underscore the Frenchie on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah whenever you have any questions, just inbox me. And uh, if you're based in Dubai and you're interested in uh, getting some nutritional advice for your pet, just inbox us as well or get in contact with Spot Daycare and uh, we can arrange a meeting, just a pet consultation or we can I can come to your house and show you what you can do to personalize personally better your feeding habits um just small changes really make a big difference to your pet yeah yeah and I really feel like their account is so informative that I mean I don't even have a dog I probably can feed him like perfectly raw at this point (laughs) yeah so yeah and we're so happy whenever people tag us in their pictures too like just uh, the other day somebody tagged us uh, in their post uh, in their story where we've talked to them uh, the day before and then the next day they just added raw food to their to their kibble and it makes us really happy so do share with us you guys are doing good in the world yeah we try i'm excited yeah so what's in the other than the consulting like if you could do anything anything if money was not an object if time was not not, like if you had a vision for what you can offer in that raw food space like say something totally crazy and i won't laugh like what would you really want to do educate people okay yeah Yeah. that's that's what we want to do the most we want to educate as many people here and abroad yeah so uh, that's really what we want to do our our main like our vision really is that people when they get a dog they should know what they're designed to eat like there should be this kind of like this thinking like i know dogs are supposed to eat raw this and this and this and this is going to happen if they do eat raw they're going to be healthier they're going to live longer and then they're should be this this active thought from I'm gonna feed raw or I'm not gonna feed raw. I would really like to see everybody feed raw. But yeah, but I mean, it's, they, it's a choice. Yeah. It's an informed it, choice, exactly. not ignorance. Exactly. Yeah. It should be a choice and not not a mis uh, miseducation or however mm-hmm. you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're already doing it, so yeah. I was thinking something <laughs> crazier. <laughs> but you are doing, it, and that's it's it's great to hear when you're really passionate about something. And I really believe that that's also like. A responsibility almost sometimes yeah. when you're very informed about something and 
you're now part of the Dubai community. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way as well, because I feel like paleo is not very, I mean, now it is, but when I moved back from New York, like it was not prominent in any Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And we are in such a sugar heavy like city as well, because we don't have like a drinking culture, like in Emiratis, for example, but we do have like a crazy dessert, like you probably see on Instagram. And that's actually to me, like, that's not good for you either. Like you're addicted to something there. So there's a sugar addiction versus alcohol addiction that Mm -hmm. we have in our culture. Anyway, I hope people can really like take in everything you've said. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy you guys were on the podcast. Thanks yeah, thank for you having so us. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm <you>. so excited. <laughs> so I am Lemis at Paleo in Dubai, and we're gonna have more human-based topics. But I really believe like this was a pet and human-based topic, mm-hmm. species-appropriate diet. Thanks for listening in, and see you next time.